Uh, we're going to turn to our readings uh, this morning. They will appear on the screen as well if you haven't brought your Bible. We're going to uh, continue in our series in um, the revelation that was given to the Apostle John. I mentioned last week that many people attempted to stop reading it after chapter 5, and many preachers attempted to stop preaching it after chapter 5. And we went on to chapter 6 and 7. And uh, this week I've been looking at chapter 8 and 9 and have been reminded once again why people give up preaching through it. Um, But we have to approach it with humility and reverence. It is God's word to us. I just put a caveat, we don't have all the answers. I certainly don't. And I don't understand everything. There are mysteries here. But we are promised from the very beginning that we'll be blessed even if we read it. So if you get nothing out of the message that I'm going to preach, you're going to be blessed because we're going to read the whole two chapters. Okay? So, it's uh, chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned to blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, which means bitter. A third of the waters turned bitter. Many people died from the waters that had become bitter. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned black. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe! Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth because the trumpet blasts are about to be sounded by the other three angels. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke they were given and out of the smoke locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. 
They were told not to harm uh, the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apalion. The first woe is past, two other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. And it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. And the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury." The rest of mankind were not killed by these plagues, but still, still they did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality or their thefts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I want to read, just as a parallel passage, uh, just a few verses from Matthew 24, uh, verse 21 to 31. This is the passage where Jesus talks to his disciples about the signs of the ends of the age. And last week we talked about when he talked about there'll be famines and, and kingdom will turn against kingdom. But this is just at the end of um, that passage when Jesus says this in verse 21 of Matthew 24 for then there will be a great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never equaled again if those days had not been cut short no one would survive but for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened at that time if anyone says to you look here is the Christ or there he is do not believe it For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were even possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. If anyone says to you, there he is in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there will be vultures gathering. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
And at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. I need a sip of water. And I think we ought to pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And we come humbly this morning because when we read this, it kind of takes our breath away. It is in a language we don't always understand. But we know that you wrote it for a purpose and you gave it to John to write down for a purpose. And we pray that as we look at this passage this morning, that by your spirit, You would speak to us. You would reveal your truth to us. Give us understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at the seals that only Jesus could open. And last week we looked at the theme of the question of evil of why there is war and famine and sickness and all those things despite that the kingdom of God has come. And we realize that there is a cosmic battle raging for every single human heart, but also for the cosmic universe. And that behind the wars and behind the famines and all those things is Satan himself opposing God. Yet Jesus will triumph, will always triumph. And we're not to read Revelation as a chronological sort of pattern of history that you can just plot your way through and say, well, that is that, and then that happens, and then that happens. It is a prophetic revelation, and it sort of spans the whole of history. But there are things that God wants to say to us. Evil will be dealt with. Jesus is on the throne, is coming back. At the end of the day, Uh, To quote Simon Ponsonby's amazing book on the last times, the lamb wins. So we have confidence when we look at this stuff and we go, oh my word, the lamb wins. All who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And so we come to this passage. Has anyone ever come up to you and given you a hug and say, oh, you smell nice? I had an amazing experience the other week. Someone gave me a hug and they said, you smell nice. And uh, it was a man. Uh, (laughs) It was Rob White. And he he said, what aftershave do you use? And uh, I told him, you know, and he said, I'll go and buy some. Isn't that lovely? How many of you ladies wear perfume? a lot of you. How many of you gents were aftershave? (laughs) Or lynx? You know that. How many of you are just content with your natural scent? (laughs) That's just... uh, So you know who to avoid later on. (laughs) Do you know the most expensive perfume that is on sale at the current time is called Imperial Majesty? Has anyone got Imperial Majesty? (laughs) 
It retails at £200,000. And of course, its bottle is decorated by a five-carat diamond. Well, why not? You know, to stick in your cupboard in the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, it's actually made by a Christian. Not someone who believes in Jesus. His name is Clive Christian. <laughs> Just save it away for trivial pursuits one day. It might be helpful. And perfume, we can take that off now. Thanks, Danny. Perfume has come a really long way since it was invented by the ancient Egyptians. And then it was mainly incense, and it was burned to create a sweet fragrance. Pharaoh used it in his palaces and in his temples. And as you read through Scripture, actually, you find that there is perfume in Scripture. There is incense used in the tent of meeting. There's a special incense that is set apart for worship. It wasn't to be used for anything else but for worship. And God gave a specific sort of um, ingredients list to make up that incense. It was used also in the temple. It was one of the gifts given to baby Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem and the Magi visited him. One of the gifts they gave him was frankincense. But here in this passage, in the midst of all the stuff there, we find incense being used alongside prayer. When the seventh seal is opened, there is silence in heaven for half an hour. Now, I know you've heard all the jokes about the silence in heaven for half an hour, and I wouldn't repeat. You haven't? I don't think I should, Susie, because just for you. Apparently, it's before the women get there. I don't... <laughs> And I don't believe that. That someone told me. Someone told me. I, I, it's not in scripture. But seriously, silence in heaven. The silence prepares our imagination to receive an incredible truth. And this is one of the incredible truths that I want you to take to heart this morning. God loves it. When we pray. This is an incredible picture of heaven. In all the midst of all the worship of heaven. And all that's going on around the throne. God says. Let's all be quiet. And listen to the prayers of the saints. And as the prayers of the saints arise. One of the angels jobs is to mix it with incense. And present it before the throne of God. As we began our worship this morning, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise with the password, thank you. And whenever we pray, hallowed be your name or your kingdom come, heaven is silent because it is listening. And whenever you groan out a prayer and you can't even express the words, heaven hears. All our petitions, all our intercessions. In the midst of that cosmic battle, we play a part. And so too, in the days when John was receiving this revelation and the persecution against Christians was just raging. He'd seen his best friends killed and he himself was exiled on a tiny island of Patmos. The church still was praying 
and crying out to God. It is a weapon of spiritual warfare. And we have this picture given to John, given to us, that as the prayers are offered with the incense, they're mixed together and then hurled down upon the earth. And the picture we get here is of the prayers of the saints being received by God and then enacted in the earth. That our prayers matter. That the prayers of the saints re-enter history with incalculable effects and the earth is shaken by it daily. Imagine for a moment the state of this world if there were no prayers offered by the saints. Liviu Balash, who heads up the work in Romania, what he's told me stuck with me always when the persecution was there in Romania and he lost his job in, in the place that he was working. And in fact, all the Christians were removed from the place where he was working. He told me that within weeks, relationships were breaking down all over the place. The place was in turmoil because the light had been taken out. The salt had been taken out. The prayers of the saints have an effect in this world. This vision should convince us of the immense privilege and potency of prayer. It's affected my prayer life just this week as I've read this again. I've read it a number of times, but I've read it again. That when I sit down to pray, I'm imagining in my mind heaven going, shh, let's listen. And that transforms your prayers transforms it because you suddenly gosh your kingdom come your will be done whatever the cry of your heart is heaven hears and prayer fears nothing nothing no demons no demigods or even death prayer has no boundaries no borders no go areas where it cannot go And John, in exile, Peter, James, Paul, all being killed. Rome exerting its strength, trying to crush the church in those early days, sends John to exile. I don't know why he's spared. And Jesus would say to us, it's none of our business, as he told Peter. But John is there on the island. And as he's praying in the spirit on a Sunday morning, the day of resurrection, he is receiving this revelation and Jesus is saying, Rome thinks it's in charge, it isn't. The powers of evil in this world think they're in charge, they are not. Their days are numbered. Jesus reigns and is coming soon. And in the midst of the world which we live, which is so noisy, where evil abounds and we just watch on our television screens, God hears our prayers as we pray through the news. I know people have stopped watching the news. Don't stop watching the news. Pray through the news. Call it a prayer time. I'm going to pray through every item on the news. God listens. And the wonderful thing is that we're all taken seriously by God. And nothing is too trivial. He hears everything. 
It's not just for the big things we want to pray for, but the tiny things we want to pray for. God hears our cries, groans, and every stammering attempt at prayer. And from this vantage point, as John receives this message, this revelation, he sees hope for a broken and hostile world. Those seven seals that were opened and then the silence that comes on the seventh seal. And then we get to the seven trumpets. But like the seven seals, we can't put dates and times to the things it describes. And some of the things it describes, John is just struggling to describe them. How do you describe something so evil? He tries to conjure up imagery that is so evil. It reminded me of um, watching The Lord of the Rings. If you ever watched it, if you have never watched The Lord of the Rings, find yourself nine hours and watch it all the way through. But it is that cosmic battle between good and evil. And in that film, evil is portrayed in a very physical way, in a very obvious way, with the orcs and the like. And that's what John is trying to describe here. He describes these seven trumpets and the echoes of other scriptures, the conquest of Jericho, trumpets it's kind of resound through scripture as well. When Jericho, the mighty walls fell at the trumpet blast. Yes, there were seven priests and seven ram's horns and seven times they walked round and on the seventh day. And trumpets in scriptures are used to call people to, to worship, call people to break camp in the wilderness, to call people to war, to stand up. Trumpets sounded the year of Jubilee when There was liberty and freedom and debts cancelled and slaves were set free and a trumpet will announce the coming of Jesus. That's why I wanted to read Matthew 24. Because all these images fuse together in this vision. Because we're looking at things beyond our understanding. But the overall theme is this. History is heading toward a place. It is not aimless. It is not out of control. The whole of history is going and gathering to the time when Jesus comes back and deals once and for all with evil. The cosmic battle is this. On the big platform, the big stage, Satan is opposed to God and wants to hurt God as much as he can. And the way that he can hurt God the most is take humanity away from God. And there is a battle for every human heart. And so we come with humility to these visions. The first four trumpets sounding a warning to the world. The earth, the sea, the rivers, the sky, they're all stricken. We don't want to get bogged down in the numbers and a third of each and a third of that. But it's reminiscent of the plagues in Egypt at the time of the Exodus. If you remember that story in the Bible. How Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let the people go. And Pharaoh said, no. 
And then God said, I will show you signs. And the aim of the signs were that Pharaoh may repent, may change his mind and let the people of God go. And so there were various plagues, ten plagues in all. Pharaoh refused and refused and refused. In this passage, we see fearful damage on the face of the earth. But we get the picture that it's not sent as a punishment, but it's sent to call to repentance. Remember, behind all these evil things is Satan. God is not punishing people. Satan has been given a freedom to unleash his evil. We don't know the answer to that and why. There's something to do with free will in that, that even the angels have free will. But things happen in our world that we do not understand. Last year in Pakistan, a fifth of Pakistan was underwater. Do you remember that? I mean, it does pass out of the news and there's new news, but a fifth of Pakistan was underwater. And there were outbreaks of disease and pestilence and everything. And who's behind all that? All that evil is Satan's behind it. Yet God can turn it for good. Yet even in that disaster, opportunities to show God's love. Many recognize, this is quoting from um, Open Doors, Many people recognize the help that came was from local Christians. One Pakistani official commented, I appreciate the efforts of Christian people. You seemed always to step in first to help in times of need and serve without any greed. And during that time, many people turned to the Lord Jesus. And whether it's right or wrong, many people turned to God in times of need. When that raft that you're clinging to that Susie had a picture of proves itself unable to save you. Whether it's your finances or whether it's your securities in anything else is not able to save you. Only God can save you. Prayed that through the whole thing of, of the Japanese tsunami and all the sort of nuclear fallout of that. That the people who worshipped their ancestors were lost. <laughs> they couldn't help them. But Jesus who died for them can set them free and give them a hope. Hope for the future. The aim was to bring repentance. Now we don't want to get lost in chasing the details of this. But there is a call of God. Don't leave it too late. Come back to the one who loves you and died for you. Judgment will come. There is a day coming when everyone will face judgment. But God has given the plan of salvation and made it known. The Father's plan in salvation involved giving his one and only Son who died on the cross for the whole world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And as we saw last week, he has sealed those who are his. And we are secure for eternity. No matter what man can do to us. Why did those early Christians who were persecuted just sing as they went out into the arena to be fed to the lions? Just sing when they were sewn up in animal skins and fed to dogs. They sang because they knew that nothing on this earth 
could take away what God had given them. This is not all there is. This life is not all there is. It is passing. And then there is eternity. And I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher because I want people to know about Jesus. But people have to know that there is a judgment coming. And God never sends anyone to hell. They choose to go there because they choose to rebel against God. They believe the lies that Satan feeds into their hearts. There is no God, really. Or worship this stone or this block of wood and it'll somehow help you. And we, as God's people, have been sent out into the world to say there is hope, there is a future. We've been sent out to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done. But the first four trumpets are sounded, but then there is something more terrifying coming. And as I read this, I kind of go, Lord, shall we stop Revelation right now? The final three trumpets are directed to rebellious humanity who love darkness more than light. who make light of God's judgment, unaware that they are not safe. Only those who belong to Christ are safe. The fifth trumpet unlocks hell. That's the picture I get. It unlocks hell for a time. And we've heard about him and we've seen the evidence of his work already in Revelation, but now Satan, the devil, is revealed He is described as the star that fell to earth. He is the one who rules over the abyss. And the abyss means literally pit of hell. This angel rules over the pit of hell. This angel is the one who delights in the torment of the world. Delights in all the sickness and tragedies of the world. He is called in Hebrew Abaddon. He's not bad in English either, is he? He's a bad one. Greek, Apollyon. It's Hebrew for destroyer, destruction. He is called star. The Bible never talks plainly about the origins of the devil because the focus of the Bible is on God and the Savior and all that God wants to do for us. But he is not equal to God. He is a creature. Isaiah in his prophecy gives us a picture of him as a fallen angel, that actually the devil was a fallen angel. Sometimes he's called by another name called Lucifer, which is Latin for morning star. And Ezekiel describes the devil as a beautiful angel who fell. He was beautiful. Yet he became proud. And even in heaven led a rebellion against God and made himself a rival to God. And in a sense, the picture we're given is is as even sin threatens to contaminate heaven itself, he was thrown out. But he has no power except what is given to him. Satan has no power over me. 
I belong to Jesus. He may tempt me. He may want to sort of want me to fall in a number of ways, but he has no power over me. I belong to Jesus. Once he ruled over my life. It's before I knew Jesus. I didn't think that at the time. I didn't even know it at the time. I just thought I was a, you know, a critical agnostic. I was never an atheist. But I was a critical agnostic. It's all right for those Christians to believe that. Gosh, they need a crutch to lean on, don't they? Little did I know that Satan wasn't bothered with me because he knew Philip's mind. Whether he's a critical agnostic or an atheist or whatever else, he's mine. Till the day Jesus saved me and set me free, and then from that day Satan's has hated me. I'm not fond of him either. His aim is destruction of mankind. That's his aim. God's aim is salvation of mankind. And he's done everything possible to make it known. He's opened a way through his son. As the fifth and the sixth trumpet appears in this vision, the abyss is opened. And like a bulldog on a leash, Satan is let go. But he is restricted in his reach. He can't touch those with the seal of God on them. So he goes after his own. Isn't that just like Satan? He goes after his own. With his demonic demonic host, these soldiers that defy description, with locust soldiers with savage teeth and kind of things are nightmares, isn't it? But those in Christ are safe. He's not allowed to destroy them because they belong to Christ. Yet those who oppose Christ, he goes after. It reveals his true colors. Even the ones he thinks he's stopped from knowing God He goes after them. And all his troops, 200 million troops, it's beyond. The third of mankind is killed as evil is unleashed on the earth. And yet, did you pick this up when we read it? And yet, they still refuse to repent. Such hardness of heart in people's lives. Even then, They refuse to repent. Now, as I said at the beginning, we have to come at this with humility and reverence because we cannot understand all the things that are going on here. But the big picture is this. There is a cosmic battle going on. We're involved in it. If you don't know Christ today, I would plead with you. I would beg on my knees that you would be reconciled to God that you would accept Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, 
It's why we're on mission for him. It's why we have the Elvis tribute act. Not just because we love the Elvis songs. We want people to hear the truth in a way that they might be entertained, but in a way that they might hear something. In the Alpha Course, we want people to come and hear the truth about Jesus. We can never make someone believe. And sometimes I'm astounded at the hardness of hearts of people. Yet I have to remember that was me. There was a time when I told Christians to go and stick it where the sun don't shine and all that kind of stuff. I understand it all, but our job is to plead with people. And we come at this with heartbreak as well. We don't rejoice over judgment that is coming. We don't rejoice that evil abounds. But it's there. And so we pray. But what I do know is this. On the cross, Jesus took on all the powers of Satan. And when Satan thought he'd won, Jesus was victorious. Because death couldn't hold him, couldn't keep him. And on the cross, Jesus took all that stuff of evil in the world on himself. That's why he cries out, why have you abandoned me, God? Jesus is the savior of the world, but he is also the judge of the world. And every one of us will face him. And all our friends and all our families, everyone will face him. Remember, Satan wants to take as many with him as possible, and we, the church, want to take as many as possible with us. And when it's all over, the last trumpet will sound, and the end will come, and Jesus will return, and he'll create a new heaven and a new earth, and Satan will be banished forever. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will all be changed. And death will be swallowed up in victory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. If someone could just let the children know that we've finished and that they can come back, that would be really helpful. The children want to come back and lead us in prayer, and uh, we're going to go with that. Let's just uh, still ourselves. Maybe if uh, some of the band could just come back and, and... Father God we come this morning and we've looked at your word and we just humble ourselves before it and I, and I ask you that what is of you and of your spirit will last and what is of human thought will just evaporate that we as your people will hold on to the truth that we've heard this morning that we will not fear but we will put our trust in you And if we need peace, that we'll look to you. If we need help or healing, we'll look to you. We all need you, God. 
And we're humbled that you would love us and give your life for us. Just in this place this morning, be moving by your spirit. Break our hearts, Lord, over what breaks yours. That when we see evil in the world, we will turn that into prayer and cry out for this world. Cry out for the lost. We do, Lord. Once we were lost and now we're found. But there's many that we know who don't know you. And they may be totally unawares. They may have been put off church. They may have had a bad experience. But Lord, we ask for them that you might open their eyes to see you and open their hearts to understand. Jesus, as a church, as we seek to make you known in this place, through all the activities we've planned for September, we pray, Lord, that many will come and hear about you and put their trust in you. Hear us as we pray. Thank you that you do. Thank you for that reminder this morning that when we pray, heaven hears. Heaven hears. So we pray, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Yeah, sorry, we're, we're ready for you. We were waiting. Pete, do you just want to explain? Okay. Uh, we've been looking this morning at how God can use ordinary people like the disciple Peter and Peter uh, after Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit he uh, in one particular passage he he went to a place and uh, in the name of Jesus um, he healed a guy called Aeneas and then he was called over to Joppa where Tabitha had actually died and he went and he he prayed to God and Tabitha was brought back to life again. And, uh, and we have got, um, got some, some pieces of paper that have been decorated by the children uh, that we would love to give to you. And in giving these things to you, we, would, we are saying in the name of Jesus, we want to bless you. And, um, and if you need healing from God, uh, and or if you need God's peace in your heart, then as you take one of these and stick it up on your fridge at home, um, we believe that, that God will, will bless you. And I'm just going to borrow one of Ross's, if I may, and I'm going to read the verse that is on here. It says, Jesus said, 
peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And each of them has got a heart on which has been decorated. And so we, we simply, if, if you want to come forward and, uh, and we've got approximately 50 of these lovely decorated hearts. What we're going to do is we're, the band are going to play and uh, if you need healing for anything, is it physical healing, emotional healing, whatever, if you feel that that's for you, we want to take what Pete felt this is of God seriously. If that's for you, just come up. And as the children give you the heart, uh, they're blessing you. And uh, we'll be praying and the congregation will be praying for whoever comes out just for God's blessing and healing. If it's peace, then just come and take that. So do we understand what's, what's happening? Um, thanks, Pete. That's brilliant. Uh, if we run out, we're just, just come up. And um, I don't know how this is going to go. But I know some... I, yeah, I mean, I'm a pastor. I know some of you need healing. Uh, and if you don't come out, I'm going to call you out. <laughs> That's an encouragement, isn't it? <laughs> Shall we stand together as we respond to God in this way? If you want to come out, just come out now receive from God Lord Jesus come Holy Spirit come bring healing to those who need your healing touch thank you that you hear from heaven our prayers thank you we pray blessing blessing and healing in the name of Jesus come Holy Spirit let's pray together we thank you for the children Lord this morning we thank you for the way that they have come to bless us and we pray for everyone who's taken one of these hearts Lord you know the need in their life if it's healing we pray now in the name of Jesus that your healing power will come if it's peace we pray your peace will come and we all together worship you this morning Praise your name. Thank you that you love every single one of us. And we bless you, Lord.
for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen.